So Money, episode 934, Kyle Cease, author of The Illusion of Money. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Even though almost every person says money doesn't matter, it's not, or it matters, but it's not the highest form of happiness, it's not the number one, that moment we're making money more important than our soul. So even though we declare all day, I understand money isn't the ultimate form of happiness, all the stuff, the moves we make actually tell us making money more important than our soul. What if money didn't matter? What would you do? And how would you live your life differently? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnish Tarabi. Our guest is Kyle Cease. He is a comedian and transformational speaker who's taking on the topic of money in his new book and documentary, The Illusion of Money. Kyle believes that our fear of money is keeping us from living the life of our dreams. And he's come to this career as a motivational speaker from an interesting starting place, a comedian. He spent his 20s touring thousands of venues with his stand-up routine, has done hundreds of TV and movie appearances. So how did he go from a career in comedy to writing a book about money and living your fullest life? Here we begin with a discussion on why money is often the biggest excuse for why we don't go after what we want. Here's Kyle Cease. Kyle Cease, welcome to So Money. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored to be here, truly. Your book is called The Illusion of Money. It came out yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you. It, I'm crazy excited about it, honestly. It's my favorite thing. This and the movie that I did along with it is my favorite thing that I've ever done, ever. It's like, it's it's the most um, my heart's been able to talk, but it's, it's really uh, pays for itself over and over and over. It's creative, it's fun, it's playful and funny, and it's awesome. What is it about money that really captivated you. Uh, And specifically with this book, The Illusion of Money, you're focused on the misguidedness that we have with money, it seems, that we we sort of have this societal um, belief system around money that it is such a challenge to earn it. It is such a challenge to come to terms with money and that it can often be a big roadblock for us to pursuing what we want because we're focused on the wrong elements around money, which we can dive into more. I'm really fascinated by this, but, but really what was it about money that turned you on? Well, it's the number, even though, even though almost every person says money doesn't matter, it's not, it matters, but it's not the highest form of happiness. It's not the number one thing, which I also totally agree with, but most people's challenge is that they still use it as the excuse to not follow their heart, which in my opinion means just in that moment, we're making money more important than our soul. So even though we declare all day, I understand money isn't the ultimate form of happiness, all the stuff, the moves we make actually tell ourselves and the universe and life that 
we are going to prioritize money. So if you've ever had a calling in your body that says, you know, what if I just left and went to this other country or what if I created or what if I went and wrote my own book and then you immediately stop that with, yeah, but I can't because I can't afford it. Then just in that moment, you have made money more important than your calling. And what I've discovered is that's what costs you so much money is by making money the priority versus your calling, you stifle the, your gifts that actually are what are worth a ton of money. And so the ironic twist is the more you're focused on money, the more it costs you, the more expensive it is. And um, I, it's not that I'm fascinated by money at all as much as I just think we all move as if you have a day job that you don't like, there's only one reason you're there. And that's yeah. money. How do we turn this around so that because someone hearing this might think, well, sometimes you need, I mean, you need, it's a practical equation. Sometimes you just do need the money to get from point A to point B. And, uh, how some might say, well, it's such a luxury to be able to focus on your dreams because meanwhile, on the other side of the equation, right, you've got your bills, you have dependents perhaps, especially this younger generation, student loans. So how do you reconcile the pursuit of your passion that may not be, lucrative or it may cost a lot of money to get there and you not having any of it. (laughs) First of all, taking the idea that chasing money hasn't been working. Like the amount of people that say that's easy for you to say, but I got a job and and then there's keep working, but it's still, they're also, that also creates a situation where we're broke. In other words, the vibration of chasing money is actually very expensive. (laughs) It's actually Mm -hmm. costly. So in other words, when people say I'd love to chase my dream, one thing I like to look at is imagine if someone like Michael Jackson had a day job in 1977 and was like, easy for you, but I, I, I met the co-manager at Applebee's because I know eventually I'm going to get uh, a raise here. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, you should consider this music thing that you kind of like. And these, that's really great. I hear that you have this fantasy. I get that life is really easy for you, but I'm realistic and I got to make money. And you're sitting here looking at him aware of how much money he could be losing by being practical or what he calls responsible. Because what I believe is every one of us have an amazing gift, an amazing talent, all kinds of stuff that we've never really looked at. We've handed eight hours a day over to something that isn't our soul's calling in order to make Make money and ironically it's really expensive so when people say that's really great for you whatever I gotta make money I'm going yes and do we notice that we're paycheck to paycheck do we notice that mm-hmm. it's really not working when people defend this thing of how you got to pay the bills. my question is I hear you you've been feeling that way for years I get it. Has it been working? Has it been creating money? Or have you always been in a scramble? And maybe this constant belief that money is so important is what's costing money. (laughs) And what if we instead do something different? What if we do something totally um, that we've never done before? And the first thing what I believe we have to do is connect to a vibration that's worth more than money. Connect to something that actually makes you attracted to the world versus you chasing it. Now, if you look at how you think of money, if we look at sentences that we say about money, just the sentences like I can't afford it, or money's the root of all evil, or I'm going to use you to get someone to like me, or I'm going to use you to get an addiction. If you think about how you think about money, 
And then imagine your money and you're on a date with you. Okay. And you're sitting here hearing you're the root of all evil. I'm going to use you to, you know, or you're never enough. You always should be more. If you were on a date with a person and you're a person and they constantly made you feel like you should be more, you're never enough. You're the root of all evil. You wouldn't want to stay there. In fact, what you would want is to feel loved as you are, whether it's a giant amount of money, whether it's a teeny amount of money, we got to learn how to love exactly what is first. It's our constant resistance to what is that causes us to be at war with ourselves. And in this war, we're in a fear-based place trying to make money out of a scramble of not feeling pain versus the expansion of what you are. So... What I like to do is picture, first of all, would money want to be with me if, if I think of, if I was on a date with money, if I was talking about it as appreciation, even if you're in debt, can you be appreciative for your debt? Can you be mm. appreciative for how little money you perceive you have? Or is it constantly something that you're in fight or flight saying, I have to fix? So that vibration right there, like when you're in war with what is, you're working from a place of fear. And one of the things this book is about is falling in love with your circumstances in all areas of your life, no matter where they are, so that you can access a higher level of yourself because you're not in a constant state of fight or flight. And this is about the expansion of your creativity. Most of us have no idea how gifted we are and creative we are and how many high-level million-dollar ideas are available because we're constantly in a place of saying, I got to figure out how to pay next month's rent. And if I don't, I'll go homeless. That type of thinking is putting us in a vibration of fear versus a vibration of possibility and expansion. Right. What I really appreciate about your um, your framework is that it's so accessible and you actually host these events called Evolving Out Loud yes. events. They sell out. And at these events, you are changing people's lives. You're using comedy, which is your other yes. talent and personal evolution. And does it often cir circle on this topic of money and our the illusion of money? Is it often, or, uh, is this is this where the complexity well typically is? Money is money is one of many factors, and really, what I'm here to do is is I'm here to transcend my own self into my own heart and and allow myself to do it in front of people. And the byproduct is that people hopefully see some sort of reminder or permission that they are infinite creative beings and what we're actually capable of. And I don't mean it in a motivational sense. It's just what we actually are. I mean, it's almost like you're Superman, but you've spent your entire life convincing yourself you're Clark Kent and you're, you're worrying about what's going on in the, you know, in the daily, whatever the newspaper was he worked for, but you don't understand that you can fly because you've never seen evidence of it because you've always been putting out the fires at work versus in this other area. So money is one of many areas. Really what I'm about is you learning how to connect to yourself. And this sounds like a cliche, cliche corny thing, but there is something to learning to meditate. There is something in learning to access the gifts that you have that are free. You know, it's really weird. There's a, there's a very, um, 
common sentence that we hear, and it's the best things in life are free, which is true. But also what's really interesting is we only focus on what we pay for. So even though the best things in life are free, we're buying Netflix, we're, we're paying for going to a restaurant, we're paying for beer. So these kind of things are more focused on and we're overlooking nature, meditation, drinking water, you know, connecting to your heart, doing creative exercises that can expand your soul to beyond you. So Evolving Out Loud are events that are for that purpose. And I believe that it's not about chasing anything. It's that the byproduct is when you actually learn to connect to you, you become safe for things to come into your life and you'll be blown away by how many more things and bigger and better things can come into your life. Once you connect to the you know, essence of what you truly are. Most of us aren't connected to what we are. We're connected to our fear and basically a fear of feeling something we felt when we were five again, <laughs> right? Like it's not even that you want money. It's that you want your dad's love. It's not even that you, you know, are scared of going broke. It's you're scared you'll be abandoned again. It's, it's this whole thing. So it's, it's an amazing experience. So Evolving Out Loud, those are two-day events where, you know, our most recent one was at the Dolby Theater where we, they do the Oscars and it's 3,400 people. And I did it two-day event completely off the cuff. Not one word was planned. And it was crazy. You know, you start to learn from your heart what can happen when you show up and you actually stay in the room and, and follow the heart versus follow the fear. Or think about what you wanted when you were five. And my son is five. Mm -hmm. And the other night he said to me, all he wants is for me to basically spend the night in his bed every night. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, he wants, com like you said, he wants connection. He wants comfort. He wants nice to feel thing. secure and safe. Um, ah. You, I wonder, did this uh, framework that you've now bestowed on everybody and changing people's lives is this something that you always kind of knew or did you also have a discovery around this that was transformative? And if so, what was that moment? What was that experience? Sure. Well, when I was a kid, um, I remember telling jokes and my, my dad, especially completely supporting me and getting me into comedy clubs. I was doing clubs as, as young as, as 12 years old. And, um, at 15, I was kind of a middle act comic. And at 18, I was headlining. 19, I booked 10 Things I Hate About You, um, had kind of a principal role in that movie, then not another teen movie, and then did like a thousand colleges headline comedy clubs in all of my 20s and early 30s. And in those times, I think one of the things that I had in me is something that we all have, but we bury, which is kind of an oblivion to this fear that we learn. All of our fear and anxiety, we learn it. We really do. In other words, you don't, I don't believe that stage fright is, is something that's encoded in us as much as later when you learn that it's a different thing to be on a stage, right? So when I was a kid and I went on stage, I just was oblivious to the idea that I couldn't do it. And then later in life, I started learning. I, I actually got so complacent and able to perform that I could do it in my sleep, that out of boredom, I actually created a stage fright, self-sabotaged, and realized at one point I learned how to be a comedian before I learned how to be a person. And so I actually spent, you know, when I was 32 till now, 
that learning how to be a person with all the skills of comedy and and crowd work and knowing how to run a room and get attention and stuff like that. But I'm blown away by all the lessons that I'm learning now and kind of incorporating them with the comedy. So it's always been a part of me in certain ways, but definitely um, learning how to feel and then transcending things and and going to a place where I actually shifted my reality and discovered that I wasn't my my thoughts. Um, one thing that changed in my life was the revelation that motivation for me is a total lie. And what I mean by that is motivation is when you say to yourself, when something happens, I'll be happy. And mm-hmm. we have so many examples of our life of us getting the thing and maybe being happy for a couple of days and then being back with ourselves again and often thinking, you know, I hope I don't lose this if this is my form of happiness. So getting codependent on it or getting more like now what, now what, now what and being in the future. So a major shift for me was leaving when something happens, I'll be happy to when I'm happy, things will happen. And my focus mm-hmm. left trying to achieve things, but instead connecting to being okay with every aspect of myself, being okay with my sadness, being okay with my fear, crying when I needed to, being okay and basically learning how to be the moment and be a space for the childhood me that feels all these different emotions. Then in that, I actually make myself more receptive to better things but I don't care because my connections to myself. So the more you don't need something, I find the more it can come to you. So it's kind of almost the opposite of motivation. Just basically unlearn everything we've been taught is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Just, just undo it all, everybody. You know, how many people have, have achieved those millions of dollars and then still committed suicide or were really depressed? I mean, the factor of your happiness is not that you got the thing. It's, are you okay with now? That's really where fulfillment comes in more. Kyle, how would you define money? What is Um, money? It's, it's funny because in certain ways it's irrelevant. Like if we think of how we see money outside of us, it's just this stack of paper or numbers on a board that exist. So that's in a way they exist. Like, so what, right? Then inside we have all these different interpretations of money right? Inside of us, we have money equals fear, money equals freedom, money equals safety, money equals whatever. And in saying that, we're implying that inside of us, you know, we aren't freedom, we aren't safety. So money is whatever it is. And I don't even have, I don't even have a a definition of it. It's just, it's just here as feedback in the old days, you it was the highest consciousness to achieve things. I think that now we've gone to a higher level of consciousness. And it's here as a byproduct of who's in the highest service to their soul, who's here to be the most selfless, who here is to, here to create an impact, who here is guided, who here is, is here to do what their soul calls Uh, for them to do. And I believe that money will show up. And when it does, you can invest it in your creativity and you can invest it in charities and play. And um, that's, that's kind of its purpose. And we've just misused it. And that's why everything that, that got money from a place of control um, is losing it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's fear cannot contain money in the long run. 
And um, so now we're in a new new time and a new dimension. I do think that there is a concern, though, when some people, especially I think in the artist community, the creative community, and you can um, you can disagree or maybe you've experienced this, but you know you hear a lot about, and maybe not so much these days, but there is we've been we've been a lot of artists have been raised in the culture of um, you know that money is taboo that you shouldn't. Um, sell out, quote unquote, right? And that this mm. this like sexy starving artist is kind of the yeah. I don't mean that the aspiration, right? And yeah. I think that's a real trap. And I do think that that has lingered well, even in modern society. That concept. So to me, the same vibration of really needing money is the same vibration of avoiding money, right? That's the same thing. It's still an egoic construct that thinks that money is more powerful than you in either sense right? Both sentences, whether you think money's bad or really, really good, imply that it's bigger than what you are. And what I'm saying is what you are is bigger. And if you follow that, weirdly, you make yourself safe for money to come to you, right? So, and, and that's fine and it's great, but when it comes to you, it's not because you need it codependently and it's not because, you know, you're avoiding it or saying I'm big, I'm, I'm not saying like I'm a starving artist, so push it away. I'm mm-hmm. saying connect to the truth of what you are because money was a man-made construct. It was a thing that came into this world before you know, way after human beings had been created. And if we actually look at what we are right now, just by meditating, by closing your eyes, by connecting to the thing that's beating your heart, it will start to say, I want to do something really big for the world. So basically there's a lot of people that go, well, what about these people that connect to that higher dimension and don't make money? And I go, oh, they do. There's Elon Musk, there's Oprah, there's <laughs> there's Prince, there's Michael Jackson. I'm talking about you connecting to your Mr. Rogers, your Oprah, your greatness. The more people are really aware, the more they're actually worth billions of dollars. Part of that awareness is knowing what you're worth, let's be honest, right? And going after that, or is that also potentially damaging? I mean, I think that's nice, but if you know what you're worth, then how can you create room for more information? Like in other words- In that moment, if you're getting, if someone's going to give you X number of dollars, you just take it or you do you negotiate because you I actually think you're saying. Worth more. Okay. So you know? basically my measurement of what I'm worth is does it expand my heart or contract my heart? Right? So basically there check this out. There in my business, there have been people that have come into my life and actually offered us insane amounts of money to work with them. Really really big money. But we felt that it didn't feel exciting to our body. In other words, I could feel that I won't expand my soul if I work with that person. So basically if I say yes to this person, even if they're offering me seven figures, if I say yes to this person but I feel like my soul's contracting, I'm making a declaration that money is is more important to me than my expansion. And that is very expensive because I will start to take on things that aren't my soul's expansion, aren't my soul's calling. So I will start to close off to what's trying to be offered to me in the moment. I'll try to close, I'll I'll close off to what is, is coming through and be taking on these things that 
totally cut me off from myself. I lose the access to my highest creative ideas. I lose my access to my joy. And then much of that money is going to be spent on addictions because I'm so out of alignment with myself and an addiction helps you get into the moment. So basically my factor for what I do is will it expand my soul? And trust me, the things that expand my soul happen to also be worth a lot of money. But there's sometimes where something will be offered to me that's not a lot of money, but it totally expands my soul, right? It makes me feel like I'll grow. It makes me feel like I'll, I'll become worth even more later. So for me, uh, the factor is I can tell within two seconds, does it expand my body or contract it? If you've ever had plans with somebody to go to dinner and then you hope that they cancel, have you ever had that? <laughs> you're, you're sitting there hoping they cancel. That is, that is when you've reached peak adult. Yes. When you are really excited that there has been a last minute cancel to dinner. Right. Yeah. And when they do, you're relieved, right? You feel this thing. Mm -hmm. But if you have plans with someone and then you hope that they cancel, that's your heart saying cancel. But we have this little part of us that we've now not listen to our heart. And we go to this secondary middleman that settles and it settles for hanging out with people we don't want to hang out with, doing things like flipping through our social media all day, watching movies we actually deep down soulfully don't want to watch. Like if you ask most people what they would do if they had all the money in the world, they often say I'd go on vacation, I'd, I'd sit in nature, I'd free. They do all these things that they could be doing now that are free. So we often take on things at kind of a secondary rate. And one of the things we do is we take on things like jobs that might pay really well, but don't expand our soul. And here's what's even crazier. Remember that there's a lot of millionaires that still end up going to Buddhist monks and people that teach meditation to find fulfillment. The reverse never happens. You very rarely hear Eckhart Tolle ask or, or monk people going, how do I get the Lamborghini and the you know high rise apartment? Because the highest vibration we have is our connection to ourself. And when we move into our connection with ourself, trust me, money will chase you so fast. My friend Susie's a life coach and, she, and also the most confident person I know. Um, and, and she says every day she does these affirmations in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she wanted me to tell everybody in my podcast this, but <laughs> it's relevant. She says well, as part of her, as part of her affirmation, she tells herself I'm a money magnet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, money flows to me, baby. Yeah. And now check this out. What if you instead, and not to also what she's saying is amazing and will be effective, but what if she just says, I am love. I actually wonder if it would come even. Uh, I am creativity. Okay. I am expansion. I am because what we want to do is take our focus off of the money In other words, check this out. You want to have the best relationship in the world, fall totally in love with being single. The more you're totally okay with being single, the more you're not codependent on a relationship. If you're codependent on a relationship, you'll only attract other people who are codependent on a relationship. Both of you will be addicts to each other and you'll totally miss out on the connection of yourself. So eventually that relationship will collapse. The more you're okay with being single, the more you will align with someone who also loves themselves fully. And then you have one plus one equals a million. So my belief is bizarrely the opposite of most motivation. The more you want money, the more I recommend becoming okay with being broke. In other words, often our fear of homelessness is chasing money. So 
you're actually bringing fear into the vibration and can't actually bring the highest level of you. So if you fall in love with all aspects of yourself, because the, the visions of homelessness are still just inside of you, if you can bring love to that, it dissolves. And then you get more whole. The more whole you are, the higher level ideas you have, the more valuable you become as a byproduct. And you let the value be the byproduct versus the focus. And it's hard, it can be hard to do. There's no question. But like falling in love with your expansion, your joy, your your giddiness, your everything. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yes, yes. That, that I promise you, those things will show up. So this question comes in partnership with our sponsor Chase. We're asking guests this question, and I would say, using your framework, uh, Kyle, what is a good step to take with your money to? Mm. to provide yourself some peace of mind, that sense of financial security. So, wow. you know, real realistically, you, your, your money does require some housekeeping. Like you have to, you know, pay your bills and check on your, um, check on your expenses, your spending, people budget, you know, all of the things. But is there a step that you practice, a habit that you recommend yeah. to, in the pursuit of achieving financial security, if, if that is even a place that you think is yeah. worth? being in. Totally. So I have a thing I call A money, C money, and B money. Okay. So A money is money that you spend on habitual addictions that kind of just come and go that don't, you know what I mean? They're just kind of numbing things that like having a party, beer, getting a Lamborghini, right? Things that are just like addictive. That's A money. Okay. The second money is money that you put in an investment or you kind of do the Robert Kiyosaki, have your money, make money for you thing. Do you get what I'm saying? So B money is like when you put it in a a long-term CD, you put it in an asset, you put it in real estate. If it's expanding, that's when your money makes money for you. That's B money. Okay. This is in my book too. C money is when you do something, you put your money in something that changes who you are. Okay. So when I put money in a nutritionist, for instance, that actually changes me. That actually changes my value. When I put money in a personal trainer, when I put money in delegating it, a job that isn't my highest calling to someone else to do it, like having someone else do my accounting versus me do that while also trying to run my company, right? Anything that basically raises you to a higher level of you, you getting money and then hiring a camera crew to film your new YouTube channel show, right? You getting money and investing it in your creativity, your expansion, Mm -hmm. something that changes you, you putting it in a cabin in the woods for a month so you can take time off and find the highest level of yourself. That's see money to me. And to me, what I'm here to do is take most of my money and either put it in B money or C money, right? And the more I put it in C money, the more it brings in money for B and for A too, if I want. So it's kind of like a new level of consciousness to the Robert Kiyosaki thing. To me, the highest level assets we have are our connection to ourself. Yes. Is our connection to meditation, our connection to our, our freedom and our play. So so that's my strategy plan. Money comes in, boom. I hire a camera crew. I, I, you know, I put online Facebook, you know, strategies in to sell my documentary, my movie, whatever. Basically, money that I can put in to change 
me and and ch- and raise my internal value. That makes a lot of sense. And really that's the, if it's ABC and if it's like a triangle, a pyramid C's on the bottom, it's, it's the base. It's mm-hmm. your, it's where um, most of your calories should be going. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> B money is great, but it might change your, and it might change your bank account, but it might not change you. And what I'm about that's really big is raising your value more than your money's value because the money will follow. So to, to give you an example on this, like Tina Turner could have her bank account wiped out tomorrow and she could go on tour in a month and put it all back in, right? There's also people that inherited a bunch of money or won the lottery. And if their money went away, that doesn't mean they're still worth the same amount. They might actually be worth nothing, right? So you have to develop your skills so that you're worth something even if your money fell away. And we often say things like, oh, that person's net worth is this. No, it's not, because I don't know what happens if that person's money goes away. Oprah can bring it right back. Tony Robbins can bring it right back. But can we, right? So I'm here to bring in my internal skills that if all the money in the world got taken out of my account or whatever, I still could be able to bring it back because I'm worth something, right? Me is worth something. So that's those skills that we develop through education, through our internal education, everything else. Raise your internal value. That's where your power is too. Raise your internal value. Kyle, thank you so much. Kyle Cease, your book is called The Illusion of Money. It's out, available now. Such an important message, a breath of fresh air, Mm. and very important in these times. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be with you. I'm I'm all motivated from our talk. So <laughs> good. So- I motivated you. You're the yeah, you're yeah. the motivational speaker. Good. Uh, we, we did it together, but it just feels <laughs> good. And I'm totally gonna go play with my daughter and and meditate and do what's important. Awesome. You can learn more about Kyle on his website, KyleCease.com. That's C-E-A-S-E. He's also on Twitter at Kyle Cease. And on Instagram at Evolving Out Loud. All this information is at somoneypodcast.com where you can get the transcript and the audio and also leave your question for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. Also, let me know if you want to co host those Friday jam sessions. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I hope your day is so money. Mm-hmm.